I'm John. And I'm Ferial. We're a married couple in the San Francisco Bay Area. And this is The Tramcast, a podcast about life, faith, and marriage. Welcome to the Tramcast. That's right. Yeah. We're recording the week of March 27th, 2017. Although it feels wonky because it's not Monday. That's right. We usually record on Mondays, but we're not today because Ferial took a sick day yesterday. I was sick. Now the question is, were you really sick? I was not well. I was not sick per se. Um, You were not well enough to stay home though. Wait. I... Was not well enough to stay home. I did stay home. Correct. Then, yeah, I guess. <laughs> exactly. I was, oh, I see what you're saying. You're... It sounds like I wasn't well enough to be at home. <laughs> and I was like, You were too sick to be home. Go was, away. Yeah. No, you were not dash well enough. Is I, w- that... I think the, perhaps the correct. Not dash well dash enough? I was not well enough to be at work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're saying all the same things yeah, because so we're English. Usually is terrible english is horrible but so much fun i think it's the most fun language can you imagine uh, that's trying, a very trumpish statement trying to, say. to teach that <laughs> i think english is a very fun language trying most to fun. teach that phrase in in a in a esl class oh it would be impossible it would be terrible yeah and we would know oh my gosh okay week of march 27th and We've got a fun show today. It's gonna I be think fun. it's going to be good. Um, well, I actually have no idea because you're presenting the trembling this week. That's so right. I have we're, no we're idea how much fun this the is. The other be. half of this mystery experiment where we, we alternate. Uh, one person presents a topic and sort of interviews the other or starts a discussion about it. But that's for later in the show. I'm jumping ahead. But if you didn't hear last episode which was 005 make sure and go listen because we started this cool thing where we surprise each other with a topic a meteor topic not a meteor right. topic you if heard you that joke again if you didn't hear the last episode you should actually just go hear it period pause stop what you're doing go go listen to five then come back and listen to come this on one back because five was i'm just gonna say it super good five was fun it was a lot of fun so and we'll see how six probably, goes. I think, our highest quality episode yet. We've definitely, cross your fingers, figured out our audio issues. We've crossed the bridge, the we sound hope. bridge. We shall see. That sounds like a like a 1970s metal album, The Sound Bridge. Yeah! Better than that other metal band name you came up with earlier this week, which I think was Phantom Sausage. Hello, Detroit, we're Phantom Sausage. Here to rock your faces off. Put your sausage in your face. <laughs> bullets. It's time for bullets. Bullets. This is the part of the show where we talk about what's been going on in the world this week. Uh, the past couple of weeks, we really want to be able to have an eye right. to what's been going on we talk um, about them in bullet points in the bullet good points. and the bad so the and the first starts out pretty dark a terrorist attack in london left five dead and 50 injured earlier this week our hearts go out to the people of england and especially those families directly affected by this tragedy 
Heavy rains in Peru have caused major flooding and mudslides, leaving at least 72 people dead. Christian rapper Lecrae debuted the music video for his latest single, Blessings, featuring Ty Dolla Sign on BET this week. Lecrae also made headlines recently for his contribution to the soundtrack for the controversial film The Shack with his song River of Jordan. Other Christian artists to contribute to the soundtrack include Need to Breathe, Hillsong United, Francesca Battistelli, Lauren Daigle, For King and Country, and Skillet. Last week, Apple announced a few new releases and updates, including a new iPad, new watch bands, a product red iPhone 7S and 7S Plus, and a new video production app called Clips. Clips. The GOP-backed proposal to repeal and replace the Affordable Health Care Act failed to pass through the Senate. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan was forced to admit defeat, stating, quote, Obamacare is the law of the land. And it is going to remain the law of the land. House Speaker Paul Ryan admitted shortly after he pulled the bill, we're going to be living with Obamacare for the foreseeable future. I don't know how long it's going to take us to replace this law. In today's news, House Republican leaders and the White House, under extreme pressure from conservative activists, have restarted negotiations on legislation to repeal the Affordable Care Act, with House leaders declaring that Democrats were celebrating the law's survival prematurely. Just days after President Trump said he was moving on to other issues, senior White House officials are now saying they have hope that they can still score the kind of big legislative victory that so far has eluded Mr. Trump. Wow, what a turnaround right there. Flip-flop. It's official. The Oakland Raiders have announced that they are moving to Las Vegas after rumors surrounding a potential move circulated unanswered for years. The new $1.9 billion domed stadium to be shared with UNLV won't be ready until 2020, so Bay Area fans can still rock their silver and black until then. So just today, and this is Tuesday... March 28th, Facebook pushed a universal update to their mobile app, combining the stories feature from the Facebook-owned Instagram and the filters from Facebook's own Messenger. They're setting their sights on ye old Snapchat or ye new Snapchat. I tried it out. I used one of the filters. I gave myself this epic glittery blue beard. Mm -hmm. I, I, I gave it a try. I know you didn't try it out because you... I'm are not on social media right I'm now. I'm on Lent. Lent. You're uh, you're scrolling, just scrolling through Lent. <laughs> not Lent. Scrolling through Lent sounds weird. Oh, that sounds gross. Just scrolling. Or rolling. Okay, so uh, am I going first this round? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so we're going to start today's uh, headlines in a, in a kind of an interesting way. Um, because I'm not on, on YouTube, because I gave up videos for Lent, right. and you're not on social media. You and I missed something that was sort of a pop culture phenomenon a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Did you hear anything about the interview on bbc that was interrupted by the guy's kids 
I did. I did hear about it. Did you watch the video? No. You're going to right now. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna um put I'm gonna turn the, my computer around and I want you to press play on this video. Oh okay? my gosh. The, we've mm-hmm. never done this before. We've never done this before. All right, here we go. I'm pressing play. Scandals happen all the time. The question is how do democracies respond to those scandals? I heard about uh, this. What will it mean for, uh, oh, she's so cute. Shifting, shifting sands in the region. Do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. Um, the, um, and the baby. <laughs> Just moving. Oh, them poor mom. My apologies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You'd think he would clean up his office a little bit. He's got to compose himself and just go back to talking about North Korea. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that news anchor people got to work from home. You know, I think he's a foreign correspondent. Maybe he's a professor. Actually, I know that because I've done some research on this. He's a professor, and they were just interviewing him after North Korea fired off a couple of ballistic missiles. And... (laughs) Sorry, I can't stop laughing. Good. That's what I wanted. That's precisely what I wanted. <laughs> that poor mama. Oh, did you see her like careening yeah, into came, the room? Ellen DeGeneres on her show oh joked that uh, she had been on the toilet. No. <laughs> and, and she actually pauses it right on her and says, see, her pants are unbuttoned. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it looks a little lady. like it. In an interview later, the mom said that she had been in the other room attempting to get the DVR to record the interview because she watched the interviews that he's always on and records them and while her back was turned the kids decided to go and visit so that little girl the daughter of the the interviewer her name is marion and so the, the 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 guy the guy who's being interviewed the professor and his wife she's south korean and he's a, a white dude and their kids are adorable and their daughter marion has since this time not only become a huge star they've gotten <laughs> they've gotten big over this she's become a style icon what because of that cute little outfit she's wearing and they showed up to a, a press conference afterward and she was wearing just the most adorable trench coat and dress and had this lollipop in her mouth oh my and goodness. stylish glasses and, and fashion bloggers are like just talking about what a big style icon marion is people on twitter have been calling for marion for president and all this different stuff I, I don't know how the family will handle the fame or if it will keep up, but um, Marion has become quite the sensation. And um, the I what what did what did you think of That's the video? So cute. The idea of um, Marion for president made me uh, want to relate it to this other story that I saw. Have you have you heard about um, Chelsea Clinton's most recent endeavor? No. She's a writer. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I did know that. She's released a couple of books, and obviously because of her name and because she's a well-educated, well-spoken woman, she's gotten some success from her writing. But she's um, publishing a children's book. Okay. And I think it sounds really interesting. It comes out May 30th, and it's about 13 women who changed the world. Uh, and, and it's... I, think I like it already. Uh, the art on the cover looks really, really cute, and it's called She Persisted. The name of the book is She Persisted, 13 American Women Who Changed the World. Is that a new working title? Uh, You know what? I don't know when she started the idea for this book, but that that is pretty recent pop culture. So if if 
she must have changed the title or something at that moment. Um, so let's see who is going to be featured in this book. The, this article I have here says um, Harriet Tubman, Nellie Bly, Maria Tallchief, Oprah Winfrey. Um, I'm sure there will be some other big names from um, awesome. American women's history in there. That's pretty neat. I, I don't know that Marion will make it. <laughs> but maybe in the sequel, you know, in a few years, mm-hmm. Marion might make it in. That's so cute. I kind of want that book. I, I kind of do, too. I think we'll probably purchase it. That's awesome. Great. Great headline. Thanks. <laughs> it's interesting that you chose um, something for children's entertainment because oh. I did, too, for what? my headline. That's crazy town. Is it about the Wiggles reboot? I'm so excited. Is that really a thing? No. Oh. <laughs> But if I could get myself some cold spaghetti to a modern trap beat, I would not mind. (laughs) Well, I'll jump right into my headline since it's such a good tie-in. My headline is about Sesame Street. So I want to start and ask you if you have a favorite Sesame Street character. My favorite Sesame Street... uh, Okay, so um, it's changed a little bit over the years, but as an adult... I have come to look, to realize that Kermit the Frog is my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's Kermit all the way. I've always loved Grover. Grover was my favorite as a child, as a teenager. I just thought, he, as a child, yes, for sure. I loved Grover. Um, I also had a soft spot for Oscar the Grouch. Ooh, no way, no. <laughs> well... I didn't mind Oscar's carrier. Do you remember him? Were you, were you, are you old enough to know? Vaguely. When I vaguely remember. In the beginning, Oscar, in order to travel around mm-hmm. the town, there was a garbage man, a yes. giant Muppet garbage man that would carry him around. I vaguely remember that. Not much, though. Anyway, sorry. I digress. There's going to be a new character officially joining the Sesame Street cast on April 10th. She has already appeared online with Sesame Street since about October 2015. So her character's been being developed. Molly the meth addict. (laughs) But she's going to debut on April 10th, so coming up soon. And I'm really excited about this character. Her name is Julia, and she is on the autism spectrum. That's so neat. It is incredible. And I, I read a great article, which I will link in the show notes for this headline um, from, I want to say it's from CNN, but they do a, an in-depth interview with the puppeteer and with the, the designer and just a lot of the cast and crew about how much work went into this character. And it is so cool because they really have done their research. A lot has gone into the making of this puppet That's and this so character. That's so interesting. Down to really tiny details like... Um, you know, they had to design her hair so that it wouldn't get in her eyes. Yeah, because she, she couldn't deal with the distraction. No bows or buttons on her clothes. No flounces or barrettes in her hair. Wow. N- nothing like that. They had to design um, a puppet so that her eyes could close so that when she got upset or overwhelmed, she could close her eyes and oh, cover her I ears. I really want to see this. It's incredible. Um, the The designer was made, I can't remember her name, but they call her Elmo's mom because she designed Elmo. So she did an incredible the puppet's job. puppet's not Elmo's mom. The designer, the designer is, is okay, who so. they call Elmo's mom. Um, they talk about Julia's eyes being intense but friendly, Okay, which is very on target 
And what I think is also really cool is the puppeteer who plays Julia, a woman by the name of Stacy Gordon, is a mother of a child with autism. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So she brings a lot to the table from her direct experience yeah. with her child. And they talk about how Julia is going to have really authentic reactions. Like she has a heightened sensitivity to noise. So when she hears sirens, they're going to overwhelm her and trigger a meltdown. And it's all about education for children. How the other characters and puppets deal with her meltdowns. Exactly. And, and come, along, come and alongside her and support her and still be friends with her, even though she exhibits different. Yeah. these things about, you know, characteristic of being on the autism spectrum. Wow. So I'm super excited That's about really this. Neat. It's probably going to make me want to watch Sesame Street again. I think it's a wonderful idea. And you can tell that... Uh, PBS has put a ton of work into making this character authentic. So I'm going to correct you there because it's not PBS that's put the work oh. into her. It's the Sesame Street workshop that has done it who are now there. Sh the sh Sesame Street now airs on HBO. Oh, wow. That started about, uh, I think, a year ago. Um, it airs on HBO and then I think a week later, Airs on, on PBS. PBS. Oh, I didn't know HBO that. HBO bought all the rights to Sesame Street a couple of years ago. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's that super interesting. Um, but just so you can see, and our viewers, our listeners can see it in, if they click through on the show notes, but okay. that's Julia. Isn't oh, she wow. so cute? Yes, she's adorable. time for trambling tramblings Tram is it plural tramble <laughs> tra tra tramble on down the road Just, yeah. we're trambling we're trambling it's i think we're calling to call it tramblings okay because it's the plural of rambling right these are my ramblings tramblings sure yeah so that's the intro <laughs> this is the time in the show where uh Fariel and i we take turns picking a secret topic that the other person doesn't know anything about and we sort of have a conversation. We facilitate a discussion. Mm -hmm. I've got a series of sort of interview style questions here for you on a specific topic. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say about it. Okay. So at first, it might be useful for our listeners if, if I start by asking you about your ethnic background. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> I'll a I'll ask it like other people have asked you, you know, out in the world. Hey, so um, that's a really interesting name. So, so what are you? Oh, love that question. I'm not going to answer like I normally answer. That's good because it, it involves a guessing game and our listeners uh, can't guess. True. So I am biracial. I'm half Lebanese. My dad is from Lebanon and I'm half Filipino. My mother is from the Philippines. How does that question make you feel? The what are you question? Yeah. Or or any variation of it. It doesn't have to be those exact words. How does it, how how does it make you feel when somebody has to ask you what race you are? Oh, I don't mind that at all. I think it really is about how it's worded. Okay. Can I really don't like to be asked what am I? Because it just I'm sounds a person. Well, I mean, yeah. I think it is it's it's disrespectful. 
I think there are much kinder and more respectful ways to phrase that question. You know, I love your name. What's what's the meaning? What's the background? Where's you know, where does it come from? And and that sort of you know, I know what people are going for when they ask that question. Right. So you'll kind of graciously yeah. let them have what it is they're really looking for. I really love sharing about my background. I love it. I I like I like making people guess because if you saw me, you wouldn't necessarily be able to know right away where I was from. Yeah, the sociological term is pass, right? You you can pass, can pass. for many different races or ethnicities. Yeah, yeah. so I, I like make, making people guess just to see what they'd say. But yeah, in general, I really do like sharing about where what my background is. I don't think it's appropriate to say where I'm from because I was born in the United States. Right. But I, I like sharing about it. I think that there are better ways to ask about it than others, though. Okay. So um, th- speaking of the fact that you were born in the Bay Area, um, do you feel connected to, to the, your culture, to those cultures? And what does that even mean to you, your culture, since there are two very different cultures there? That is a big question well, you can feel free to answer it as deeply or shallowly as you want because it's not the main point of what we're talking about so oh, this th- isn't even the main oh this my gosh is the lead-in but this is huge and i think this is really important as as our listeners get to know us and you i think at different points in my life i have felt connected and disconnected from either part of my background so the filipino side or the lebanese side in different seasons I felt different ways. I think growing up, I felt more connected to my Filipino side because I have a lot of my mother's family around me in the Bay Area. But conversely, my father's family lives all over the world and a majority of them still in Lebanon. So just because of pure distance, it's been easier to feel disconnected. But then you and I got to go back to Lebanon and visit my family last year. That's right. That was a great experience. It was an incredible trip. And I felt so connected after that trip in a way that I've never felt. I think part of it was going back as an adult and really being able to connect a lot of dots for myself about what I've been influenced to become and who I am. But so, yeah, I think that that question I can't really answer directly. Yeah, talking about what is your culture, right? It, well, I it, there's think... a there's a blending and a mix and a both and an and and a, it's American right. and it's third culture and right. That's there's... the biggest piece I think is that I I've felt pulled in a lot of different directions for my entire life, and I think that's just part of being multiracial and multicultural. And you don't always feel connected or drawn in one direction you're kind of pulled in a lot of directions and so sometimes that can be hard but there's a lot of really beautiful things about that as well you know you're a part of more than just one thing so I I think it's you're a part of something and I I envy you for that because there's a lot of sort of mystery in my family history we really only know one side of one side of my family background and so I I I don't know I have an okay idea. I'm a Heinz 57 white guy, but I don't know what what I am or where I'm from. And so I envy the fact that not only do you know, but you know twice over, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I, I really envy people who are really deeply connected to their ancestry, um, whether or not it's what I might de- describe as 
ethnic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I know Irish people that know their family tree back four, five, six, seven generations. I think that's awesome. Family members who owned castles and stuff mm-hmm. and had crests. And that's amazing to me. Um, but so when we went back to, when we went to Lebanon, I say back to Lebanon, like I'd ever been before. <laughs> when we went to Lebanon, did you feel culture shock there? Yes, of course. Because I'm not culturally Lebanese. I'm culturally something else. I'm culturally American, raised by immigrants from wildly different cultures themselves. So I think I've heard people use the term third culture kid. Yeah. I really think I'm one of those. And so, yeah, of course, totally felt culture shock. Well, that, that's what we're talking about on our trembling segment today is culture shock. Do you remember the first time you experienced culture shock? The first time you felt it? I I don't remember a specific memory, but I'm I'm certain I I was young. I I'm certain that it had something to do with going to a family member's house or hearing a different language. Not only did my, you know, my parents' families speak other languages, but we had a lot of different friends of the family who spoke other languages. So we'd be in the home of like Persian people or African people. And they'd, you know, so I I thought you were going to say something like the first time you got offered balut or something. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) look it up folks. Just, just Google it. I can't remember a specific memory, but I'm certain I would have been very young because I know you and I know some, some of your stories. You, you felt culture shock in college, right? A ton. Why is that? Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, I went to school, like elementary through high school, in a really diverse city and a diverse school where my friends were from a lot of different places, a lot of different colors and backgrounds and names and languages. And and then when I went to college, I, I went to a predominantly white school. It was majority white. It was very white in a white county. Um, and I think that was definitely culture shock for me. I, I was living with white girls whom I love dearly and just having like the way I pronounced things corrected or the way that I liked my food was different or you'd never heard of a casserole. No, I never had. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. Just little things like that. I, I don't, I don't ever feel like I was discriminated upon, um, especially by my friends. I, there was a lots of love and support, but there was a lot of culture shock in the everyday moments, especially my freshman year. You know what? I think that probably comes with, everybody's freshman year of college. I wonder if college, yeah. going to college is just culture, culture shock. shock. Totally. But for me specifically, I can definitely say that there was something about being with a lot of white people that was culture shock for me. What has been the most prominent experience of culture shock for you? The most pronounced experience? I remember one of my first it might have been my first week teaching in Korea. I made a huge mistake in the classroom and I didn't, I wasn't aware of it beforehand because I didn't know. What did you do? 
So I wrote my students' names on the whiteboard in red. In red marker. In red whiteboard marker. Because there were red whiteboard markers in the room. <laughs> I would like to, to say. And I didn't put them there. Well, there's only one thing you're not supposed to do with them. Right. Is write people's names. Yeah. And I didn't know that until later. But. I, I was teaching a class of like seven and eight year olds. So still quite young kids. And they walk into the room and like burst into tears. They started crying. Profusely. <laughs> and I did not understand. I just thought that they were sad to be with the American girl or something, or, you know, or missing mom. And what you didn't know is having your name written in red ink in Korea is an omen of death. Right. It's what you do when somebody has died or somebody is going to die. I had no idea. And thankfully, we had a really great English liaison teacher at that school. And when I was debriefing with her, she was able to tell me about it. And then also... All your students thought you were going to kill them. She (laughs) came to my next class, I think the day after or the next couple days after, and talked to the kids and... She didn't know. She had no idea. She (laughs) talked to the parents. She was so great. I love you, Joanne. (laughs) (laughs) But I had no idea. And I was so confused that first class. And looking back, I'm like, I... I should have studied. I should have known. I don't anyway, but just such a, a direct (laughs) example of culture shock in my memory. And there are so many that I have, but that's just the one that came to mind. That's funny. Um, so I kind of want to talk about, and and this isn't going to be necessarily a, a sociological study or anything, but can you tell me about some of the, the stages of culture shock that you've experienced? How do the stages typically go as, as you know them or as you've experienced them? I think it's safe to say that culture shock is is never static. It's always moving. It's up and down. A lot of people say it's a roller coaster that never ends, really. <sighs> and I'm not sure. You've never arrived culturally. Like I don't know ha- how long is it possible? takes. Like, how long does it take to live in a, a different country outside of your home? To be able to not feel it anymore? I don't know. I know that we were in South Korea for four years and I never stopped feeling it. Which four years is not that long. No, but it definitely came in waves. Oh, yeah. So, I I mean, I definitely experienced, you know, the honeymoon period. You just love everything about the culture. It's so amazing. Everything's new and exciting and there's so much to learn and appreciate. And and then... Even the taxi drivers are beautiful. (laughs) Oh, I don't think I ever thought that. (laughs) They were mean to us sometimes. Yes. That's another memory I have of a taxi driver screaming at me. But anyway. <laughs> and then I think you, there are definitely those low seasons and times when you're depressed and homesick and everything is terrible and the food tastes funny and you feel like you're never going to learn the language and you're always going to hate it here. And then I think it sort of evens out a little bit and you learn to appreciate the good things and not compare so much and realize that you're having a completely new experience and, and then it bottoms out again and then you go up because you're learning the language and you feel like a rock star taking public transportation. And Okay, so I'm going to twist the subject up just a little bit here. So do you think that it's possible to experience religious culture shock? 
So this is like a, the seven layer bean dip of a tramble, huh? No, no, no. It's, it's, we're, we're coming toward the end. Is it possible to experience religious culture shock? Sure. Because I think that culture can be a lot of things. It's not just ethnic background. It's not just, you know, I think you set a culture when you've got people doing life together. You've got a culture in your home. You've got a culture at school. And mm, so, yeah, yeah, I think that a church can provide a culture or a religious group provides a culture. So you could go, you could have culture shock um, going down the street and hanging out with people from another neighborhood or oh yeah like you could be at home still and Mm -hmm. experience culture shock i think so have you ever experienced religious culture shock i i have i can't say that i've been to many different types of religious events like i think my experiences within the Christian tradition. Yeah. But I remember going to visiting churches in Korea Uh and they practice church differently than I'd ever experienced the welcoming songs and the gifts for the newcomers and (laughs) obviously just doing church in a, a foreign language. Right. But also they, they, when they pray congregationally, they would pray all together, all out loud. So it was just... Everybody, all at the same time. Yeah, which... And sometimes it becomes very impassioned. Oh, yeah. So yelling. Could get overwhelming for somebody who'd never experienced that before. But yeah, so yes, I would say yes. I I was wondering, like I was sort of thinking if there has been any culture shock for you in our transition into the Anglican church. Mm. Have you experienced any of that? Yeah, yeah not traumatizing (laughs) i I hope not but sure mild culture shock absolutely um it's it's a different way what sorts of things stopped you in your tracks at first well i remember when we were going to visit our church for the first time before we were committed to being anglican we were just going to visit and we were mostly going to visit some friends i remember being really nervous because i'd never been to a an, an Anglican or Catholic or liturgical church service, never been. And so I remember my palms were sweaty and I kept asking you on the drive, like, when are we supposed to cross ourselves? And will they tell us when to bow? And <laughs> what do I do about robes? And <laughs> You don't have to wear one, I promise. <laughs> I had no idea what to expect. Well, the funny thing is I'd never been to an Anglican church either. I just... I guess knew a little more than you did. I think you're also just way more even keel than I am. <laughs> you're like, it's going to be fine. It's all good. Don't worry. <laughs> but I was, I was worried. I was anxious about it. I was like, we're going to do the wrong things at the wrong time. And, but I was really pleasantly surprised that our church, I think does a really wonderful job. And I experienced this as a first time visitor there, which is a wonderful job about enculturating people you know, they have instructions on the screen. I think our priests are very clear when they transition into the Eucharist or the processional. You know, they're, they're very yeah, clear they're about, about explaining this is what things. we're going to do and we're going to stand yeah. here and you can bow if you want to or, you know, whatever. Right. So I actually felt very comfortable. Okay. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that our priests do, is they, they, they'll say when it's time for confession or something like that, group confession not like booth confession they'll say take a posture of repentance Mm. 
that is most um what is it meaningful comfortable i can't remember for the you word they use. It, yeah and, but it's there's some flexibility there they just mm-hmm. the point is like do whatever it's going to take for your heart to be in it right right and um okay i've got three more questions wow one is i'm going to lead you a little bit and then the third the other two are advice questions okay okay you ready hit me um do you think that there's a sense in which for christians much of life is a sort of culture shock I could see what you mean about leading. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I think that as Christians, we're called to be different and that God is completely other and completely culture shocky. So, and in a way, the people of God, I was going to say, as his people, we are supposed to be completely other as well. And so it's it's kind of that everyday battle as a Christian to, what's the, the cliche phrase, be in the world and not of the world. Okay, two more questions. So what advice would you give to someone who finds themselves in the throes of culture shock? Ride the roller coaster. It's going to go up, it's going to go down. And I think that that's the whole experience. And looking back at the times when I've experienced deep culture shock, I think the important part is to experience it because it has added to my life and it has made me who I am today. And I think a lot of times we use culture shock in a negative kind of definition, but I think you learn so much about yourself when you experience things like culture shock and choose how you're going to react to them. Okay. Last one. What advice would you give to cultural residents as they interact with a cultural immigrant? I think it would be advice that I would give any human being interacting with any other human being. Let's hear it. Be kind and look them in the eye and show empathy and listen with your whole heart and be present with them. I think that's that can be done across language barriers. It can be done across social barriers. Just be present with people and don't try and fix the problems. Just listen, show empathy be kind. Share some food. I like food. <laughs> Let's share some food. Okay. Yeah. That's you happy? That's it. Tram faves. What are we doing? Lead us. Well... And this week's episode, we are going to talk about two tram faves, and we're going to hit on these briefly, John Trammell. Okay. Briefly. I decided, I decided this week that we'd pick two faves each, one digital and one physical. But 
I'm going to go first and say that I actually sort of cheated. What? And when I was picking my faves, I sort of picked two digital things. What? So, you know, there's that. But anyway, my first, can I can I just launch into it? Yeah, go go right ahead. So we're not taking turns or anything. You're you're doing two, I'm doing two. That's that's how I want it. All right. So, my first fave is an app, and I'm pretty sure you can find it on ios or android but i don't know i have ios it's called genius scan and i use this app for work and for personal and i love it it's free you can pay for more features but i use the free app and i'm just fine it pretty much turns your cell phone into a scanner which is really neat maybe you're thinking well why don't i just take a picture of it because pictures sometimes suck when you're taking pictures of documents so genius scan it not only takes the picture, but it there's like this option where you can like magic edit the picture so It'll that it straighten it, it and flattens flatten the it. document yeah. and straightens it and makes the like black text really bright on the white That's paper. Really cool. It looks like you just ran it through a PDF scanner, but I love it. It's really helpful for when you are capturing like a signed document, and I love it because I don't have to carry around all this paper. I just literally genius scan it. So That's awesome. That's my first fave. Second fave, and I've been sort of obsessed with it. It's not really a digital fave. It's something I do in my physical life, but it's a podcast. I, well, I love think podcasts are, are. Oh, those are. Wait, yeah, that's you cheating. Cross, you are I'm, cheating. I'm cheating, but You're I don't cheating. care. I'm going to share about it anyway. So it's a podcast called Cued Up, and it's actually produced by KQED right here in San Francisco, which is cool. Um, queued up is Q apostrophe ED, just like KQED. And they are doing a series. They're calling it season one for them called American suburb. And it is so good. This, I especially am speaking to my fellow Bay area residents here, but other people I know would be interested in it as well. It's incredibly interesting. It's specifically about, um, the Bay Area here in the San Francisco Bay Area and the movement of gentrification and displacement that's happening and has been happening over the last decade, 20 years, 30 years, specifically about people moving out of Oakland and Richmond and further into the East Bay suburbs. And so American Suburb specifically features a city called Antioch, which is deep in the East Bay. It's the very last stop on the BART line right now. And it's an incredibly fascinating series. I think there are like 10 or 11 episodes right now, and I've like gone through Bubbled all of them. them up. Yeah, yeah, me super too. Fast. I, I, you told me about it. I've listened to all of them. I find it very, very interesting. It is fascinating. I love that kind of stuff, the sociology and the cultural movements, but it's really interesting, especially as a resident in the Bay Area and as somebody who is thinking about moving further into the Bay. Yeah, this is something about us that some listeners might not know is that Fariel and I are in the process of sort of house hunting. We're, we're looking to move closer to the Bay Area so we can be closer to our Anglican church in San Francisco and closer to both of our jobs. Right. That, I, that was something I was thinking about talking about with our culture shock conversation was hmm. as as people who are moving from one area into another, from one neighborhood, maybe one type of neighborhood into another, um, how how does things how do things like gentrification and displacement and culture shock all sort of play into one another? Yeah, well, 
that's why I've loved listening to American Suburb is because not only is it entertaining, but it's really helpful and educational and informative for me as somebody who lives in the Bay Area. Like how, how are my actions affecting this grand scale movement? How can I fight gentrification? even though I want to move to the Bay Area. Yeah, maybe maybe not fighting gentrification as much as fighting some of the negative effects of gentrification, like yeah. displacement and underemployment and homelessness. Right? And that's what I think when we choose to educate ourselves, like in this way of listening to this podcast and more, we, we get a language and a narrative for what we're involved in and we're able to talk about it. So I really am loving Cued Up's American Suburbs season one. So good find it so good it's good cool those are my faves those are your two those are my two they were both digital you totally cheated but that's okay because you're gonna cheat too no totally not i i did sort of forget to think about this until tonight but i i know what i want i know i know give me the digital fave my digital fave is super nerdy not surprised if you ever use microsoft's excel program to make spreadsheets for work or for fun, uh, there's a, a, an option or a feature called Format Painter. And I discovered Format Painter just today and it blew my mind. <laughs> I love Format Painter. Do you know what it is? I don't. Tell me about it. Okay. So let's say you have a, a, a document that needs some some pretty intricate formatting. Let's say you have one column or one row that's all bold and all orange and all italics, mm-hmm. but it's just one out of a sea of a bunch of others. And then maybe there are other cells that need that same formatting for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, you could highlight the whole row that you want to do and just do all the formatting. But then for those other ones, do you got to go through and individually do each one? No, you don't. You just use the format painter. And so what you do is you collect your, you select your source cell, click format painter, and then select your target cell and it automatically copies the entire format from there to there. No problem. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Nice. Isn't that super nerdy? Super. But I've been making a lot of spreadsheets for my uh, new job and I really am enjoying format painter. That's awesome. Yeah. Super nerdy. So I think Google sheets might do that a little bit better, but we won't go into that. Oh, Maybe oh. a new tram fave for you later. Maybe. Maybe I'll discover it, but I don't use that for my job. So I know, which is sad for you. But you do. You use Google for your job. I love Google. Ferial's a G Suite administrator. Google Apps administrator. Yeah, your certificate says Google Apps, but yeah. they changed it to G Suite, which, which is hate. a very just awkward thing Google. to say. Google is like my ultimate tram fave for life forever. <laughs> All right. Physical tram fave, go. My physical tram fave is a shaving cream by a, an English company called Taylor of Old Bond Street. Bond Street. Yes. Okay. That's the whole title of the company, Taylor of Old Bond Street. Like a tailor who fixes clothes. Yeah, or maybe his name is Taylor and he's on <laughs> Old Bond Street. I don't know. But that's that's the, the, the history of it. What a title. They were established in 1854. So dur- he was the only Taylor on Bond Street. During the reign of Queen Victoria, they, they say, thank you very much. But specifically, they have a, a, a bunch of different um, types of shaving cream that they sell, including peppermint, rose, lavender, almond, 
and cedar wood. But my favorite, the one that I use, is sandalwood. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, this sandalwood shaving cream will have you leaving your bathroom smelling like you just stepped out of a luxury barbershop. It's really, really nice. That's quite a plug. I like it a lot. Um, you need you have to use it with a, a brush, like so. You need a, you would need to br- purchase a brush, and th- th- those you can get those pretty Why affordably. Why do you have to have a brush? Because you have to foam it up yourself. It's not a it's not a it's not aerosol. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's a it's a cream in a in a little bowl, and you s- put it into another little bowl to mix, and you. Does use it the foam if you're fo- just like using your fingers or a spoon? I I've never tried that because you're supposed to use a brush. Hmm. Would you like me to try using no, a no. spoon and report back to you? I don't care that much. Okay. I'm just wondering because I've never done that. Yeah. No, well, that's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very satisfying and it just smells wonderful and it leaves my face feeling so soft and me Is feeling so relaxed. Is it expensive? How much do we pay for this stuff? Um, <laughs> sounds so, expensive. Uh, el- about, uh, I think that's 11 pounds for, <laughs> I wish you could see her face. Oh, friends. That Ele- sounds expensive. 11 pounds. What's the exchange rate? Hey, Siri, how many pounds? No, how many? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> $11. $11 is 8 British pounds and 86 pence. 8 pounds? 8 pounds, 86 pence. So, but, okay, you're throwing me off here because you said that, that the stuff is 11 pounds. It's 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 ten pounds ninety five pence. So ask so about that. eleven pounds. So give me a second. Okay. So if eleven dollars is eight pounds or about nine pounds, then this stuff eleven is pounds like, is like fifteen dollars. Yeah, that's not so bad. Sixteen. Fifteen bucks. For, Eighteen for months and math. months. I had like six months worth of shaving cream. That's oh, not, okay. That's not so bad. Yeah, and especially considering. All of the products that you, my lady, buy. That's for another episode. I Thanks bet for it joining is. us. <laughs> this has been the Trampcast. <laughs> but seriously, we're so glad that you guys. I thought we were really just going to end it. I was like, <laughs> should we end it? Should, we, should that just be the end? No. We need to thank our listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us so long. Keep interacting with us. We love hearing from our listeners. We love hearing what you guys are up to. How's your Lent going? Yeah, you can send us an email. We're thetramcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at thetramcast or on Facebook as thetramcast. Big surprise since that's the name of our podcast. We've got a couple of really fun things coming down the pipeline that we're excited about. A couple of interviews. So excited. Okay, so this is what we want you to do. Email us, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you find your podcast. We would love for you to do that. Yeah, it really does help people find the show. I don't know how it all works, but that's what happens. Okay, say goodbye, Moto. <laughs> I promise I'm not choking the cat. Bye. This is a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcast system. If this, in the event of an actual emergency. Do something different than this. What's the.
Don't listen to us. Don't listen to Hide. us. Hide. Run. What's the line from Chicken Run? In the likely event, that's it. In the likely event of an actual emergency, put your head between your legs and kiss your butt goodbye. 